Welcome back to the United States of America, ladies and gentlemen. Today, fresh off the heels of the Natural Olympia, as well as the WNBF Worlds, Layla and I want to talk to you about getting on stage and competing. Bon appétit. Bon appétit. Bon. So, today's podcast episode is something that myself as a trainer, dude, when I say on a daily basis that people will go to shows or see competitors posing and instantly go, I think I kind of want to do, and during the podcast, we could touch on whether or not it's even stage contests. When we say competitor, right, we don't even just mean fitness competitions like on stage, but powerlifting, strongman, Olympic lifting, whatever. Like this podcast is specifically about separating the hobby of being at the training center versus using the hobby for a performance aspect on stage with a barbell, whatever it may be. The reason why we're doing this podcast is because there is a drastic, massive, Grand Canyon-sized difference between just training and being an athlete competitor, period, right? Um, I'm actually going to let Layla talk on this one first because while I'm competing powerlifting right now, okay, yeah, she Which I just can't... got done at the Olympia, right? I did. Just got done at the Olympia. I just got done competing at the Natural Olympia. And I said this before on one of our, our first – podcasts that there is a big difference between being like a fit chick a super fit chick and then like elite fitness and then like competing competing Mm -hmm. is like oh god it is a fucking life investment it Mm -hmm. really honestly is if you do it right so i guess you know anecdotal here when i was at the olympia there was there was a girl that beef god i hope she doesn't see this there was a girl that befriended me that was a bikini competitor and she had told me the day of check-in she went for like a five mile run or something oh right oh she wasn't super conditioned and it's like you're you were able to do that because your conditioning isn't where it needs to be like in order to compete at this level you're you are going to be miserable you're yeah. going to be unable to move and that's what I think so many people don't realize about competing is like as glamorous as it looks and all the pretty photos that we post online. Do you know how bad it feels to look that good? Do you know how bad it feels? And that's that's one of the mini docs I actually want to make is like going through behind the scenes of like you like I texted you like I was looking at a spoon and I was confused. I was like, what the fuck? Spoon. OK, like you're not functioning properly at all, which, by the way. From a from a physiological standpoint, there's a very specific reason for that. When you're in peak week and your carbs are low, whether – I know there's going to be people, oh, I didn't cut my carbs, whatever. It doesn't matter. If you're cutting your carbs low or your expenditure is so high you're burning through these carbohydrate stores that fast, your brain also runs on glucose. So this brain fog people talk about is real because your brain has less glucose, your body has less sleep. There's no mm-hmm. body fat, so your body's prioritizing calories to do other things to keep you alive. Like, very common. Super common. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think people realize that, you know, because, you know, all the po- the photos that we posted, like, are us smiling or, like, you know, holding dumbbells. Like, truth is, it's not really like that towards those those last couple days there. And, you know, I, I've said this before, with the explosion of Instagram fitness, like, None of that reality is being exposed, and people think it's much more attainable than it is. The woman who makes my suits, um, she said she's never seen anything like this. But in recent years, and I do blame the fitness Instagram for this, like she had rounds of new competitors coming through. Over half of them would drop out because it's like 100% without question. Hard. Prep is fucking hard. It is the hardest thing I've ever done. And like, I make a living out of doing really hard shit and it's it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Like yeah. it's it really does reduce you down to the most primitive it does. Like primitive state of being a human being. Like you are just hungry and tired and exhausted and all of your energy is going to keeping you alive. And I I want to literally give you the parallel here where let's say ca- caloric restriction because we said compete, right? You want to be a competitor. 
caloric restriction aside, whatever your sport of choice is, that is the case, right? When we get close enough to powerlifting meets, like two, three hour training sessions are normal. Um, you know, not caloric restriction, but caloric surplus even gets to a point where it's like, hey, we're watching a movie. Yeah, but I need to get my next meal in because if I'm, you know, a thousand calories short tomorrow, then it's going to matter. Um, prepping, you know, for the actual contest itself in terms of uh, making sure that your um, information dissemination is the right way to a coach or that the meals need to be cooked for the next week. Like it's not solely on the stage competitor to feel those things. But I distinctly remember when I was competing on stage just two, three years ago, um, coming up the stairs at night after my my final cardio session of the, of the day and like my knees buckling and I had to like lean on the wall like, Whew, catch my breath here. Like the same way that when you're doing strongman or powerlifting, there were times when my wife was like, hey, you know, can you pick this up from the car? And I'm like, dude, my arms are super sore. Can you just like... Put it yeah. in front of me and I'll like walk it inside. Like, yeah, it requires a level of dedication to not feeling uncomfortable, like, oh, I'm outside my comfort zone. No, it when you are a competitor, whether it be in the NFL, the USAPL, the INBA, the OCB, CrossFit, whatever, the uncomfortability also comes in a very mental and physical manner where there are days where I don't want to train. When you're that person that goes, well, you know, two, three days a week, I know I'm supposed to train, but like, I'd rather go home and take a nap and then watch a movie and just have dinner with my husband. Like, okay, then when it comes time to perform, you will not perform. That's just as simple as it is. So as a trainer, right, regular people come to me and go, hey, I cheated on my diet this week, accidentally didn't have my meals with me. And then when we were out, I had this instead. I go, hey, listen. Before you came to me, you were eating that two, three times a day. You had it once in seven days. Not bad, man. You're doing okay. A competitor who's four weeks out says to me, hey, I got a little emotional with my wife and went out and housed a pizza and then I didn't eat for the rest of the day. I go, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. It the, the level of response to issues that arise during the training cycle is need to be that different if you want to be good. If you don't want to be good and you're just doing this as a bucket list item, look, I'm the first to tell you, if it's stage competitions, don't bother. It's incredibly expensive for what? For you to say you did it? Schedule a photo shoot and do whatever you want to do that way. I mean, I guess if you want to do it for the experience and you know going in that you're not going to do well, because you're not. You're not going to do well if that's, the package and the attitude and the level of dedication you're bringing to this, like fine, whatever, go ahead and compete, see what it's like. But that is not what is required of a good competitor and a great competitor an elite competitor, a competitor that's going to win the show. Like, and do the right show, do the right show. Right. I've had people have that mentality you're talking about where it's like, I just want to do it for a bucket list item. And then I go, cool. What show are you doing? They're like the amateur Arnold. And I'm like, why? (laughs) Like, the, the New York Southern State Classic is right over there, and it's a hundred bucks. Do that one, then you get the same bucket list. Is a world class event that is unregulated. You fucking moron. That's the thing about the like the Arnold is like it's the biggest show. And here in Columbus, people ask me that all the time because yeah. the Arnold was here in Columbus. Like, oh, are you doing the Arnold? Like, just because it's in our backyard, do you not realize yeah. people come from fucking Australia? Like. Yeah. Is a huge event. No. Which, by the way, no. of of all the shows that I have gone to, because I went and worked it uh, for Generation Iron this last, uh, was it April? Um, I got to say, like, the expo side of it and how they put all these sports together, incredibly impressive. Like, I was able to see strongman and powerlifting and fucking sword fighting and world championship of tag at the same venue that I was watching the best bodybuilding show in the world. It's amazing. Like what they do is incredible. So what I say to people is this, right? When you pick these shows, you have to pick it to your level of expectation the same way that we say expect a certain level of seriousness if you want to be an athlete. Whether you competed in any of those sports, if this is a world level event, your bucket list item is going to leave you basically 
in the in the outskirts of ever touching any of the equipment because you'll never advance, right? Like the Arnold is run basically as an offshoot of the IFBB and the NPC because it's sanctioned by those organizations. They're not going to give you play on stage if you're in the bottom 10%. So what did you pay for? You paid for the ability to stand there. To get chewed up and spit out. Like, that does not feel good. Yeah, why? Yeah, yeah. Which is... You don't know better, I guess. Like, I don't think people realize, like, it really isn't just, like, eating healthy and working out and then getting a tan and then walking on stage. Like, there's a lot more serious shit that's happening here. And the minute you show up, Take your warm-up off, see other people take their warm-ups off. You did the wrong thing. You did not do this right. And and understand this, too. I, as a trainer, I've told people this. There is a vast difference between getting into shape from being out of shape and a competitor's shape. Don't mistake the yeah. two, right? Yeah. If yeah. you went from being overweight and now you're in shape, that does not mean you're ready to compete, Right. That means you've scratched the surface. Better shape, like it's it's a different animal. It is a different fucking animal. I mean, it to the point where, again, whatever the sport is, if you want to be a competitor, right? It's not about being an athlete in the sense of understanding the sport. It's about taking every aspect of the sport itself to its extremes, and I mean that because if you're in CrossFit, right? You're trying to literally break, I I don't like the term biohacking and I don't like the term human hacking either. You're literally trying to break the bounds of what a human body is supposed to be able to do. And that's just as dangerous as bodybuilding, right? I'm learning, I saw this the other day. Keep in mind that I just deadlifted 550 the other day and I was fucking stoked about it. And then I saw a guy where it looked like that's what he was gonna do and then he cleaned it front squatted it, stood there with it, repositioned it, snatched it, and then let it drop in front of him. The feeling, listen, the feeling of holding 550 pounds when I had to pull it off the ground, the thought process of then doing it weightless to catch it over my shoulders and fucking clean it, no way. Okay, that's that's, that's the the analogy is like, you feel good about yourself because you're like in shape and then that's actually what competing's like. And for Olympic lifters, right? That doesn't mean that there's not an avenue that I can take advantage of. Right, sure, yeah, but it's not on a fucking stage. <laughs> now, you know and I mean? keep in mind, right? I know, based on my bodybuilding career and having trained in different sports, Olympic lifting, even though I've said this to my coworker, Dan, actually, I was, he's a big Olympic lifter, really tall guy, good lanky a little bit but like he's really good at leveraging his uh uh lever points i'm not because of the way my my range of motion is from bodybuilding so many years and i said to him like yeah my body's just not built for olympic lifting and he looked at me and was like i mean numbers wise actually you probably are built for olympic lifting because you're short and stocky and you have you know good fast twitch muscle engagement but realistically to take my my the liability that it would be on my body at as, as old as I am and being where I am strength-wise and doing other things, to be a competitor at Olympic lifting would not be worth the danger of dropping a three, 400-pound barbell on my I – it's just not possible. Yeah. But to dial this back to what we're talking about, I don't believe it would be a justice to myself or to that sport to dial it back to the weight that would – be able to be done on a platform for Olympic lifting and then going out there and and doing it and being like, now I'm an Olympic lifter. Like, the part that I'm trying to program out of my children is that if I'm going to do something, I want to do it and be the best at it. Mm-hmm. That's not always a healthy argument to have. Um, And I'm trying to dampen that down for this argument too because I understand that. Um. But on the flip side of it, if what you're trying to do is compete, then really that is what you're trying to do is compete. Be the best. I guess that's why that kind of like tripped me up. It's like it's yeah. a fucking competition though. I think at the end of the day, like it's a competition that other people are observing. And as much as like I am like self-invested and push your limits, like I feel like if you're going to bring it to a stage though, you got to be worth watching. Don't just, don't just fucking show up. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. 
I think like that's the real thing that we also have to argue about ourselves is like I don't know that everybody is trying to be to our level. Um, but when you use the word competitor, there has to be some level of you that also wants to win, I think. I, yeah, win or – Do well. I, Let's say do well because there are years that you get up there and you're like, I just need the judges to tell me what to do to win. Sure. Let's say on a long enough timeline. On a long enough timeline, you should want to win, right? Or yeah. you learn that you don't want to win and you go, cool, I figured it out. I don't want to do this. You know what I mean? Um, that's that's the part that hangs me up about all of these arguments is just I understand that not everybody is going to be the best. That's not how competing works. Sometimes you're just not the best. Um, yeah. I guess, I guess, yeah, ultimately you have to be bringing your best though. Your you best. Know? Yeah, your best. But that's the thing is I think a lot of – competitors even now just don't it's like i can agree with that for sure learn where your best is and you bring that next year or stop competing you're wasting everybody's time well it's like it takes so fucking long (laughs) and hey let's do the counter argument because people like this exist i have friends that compete that could be world champions that because of the cost and the travel and all this other stuff they compete at the same local shows every year and they always win and i go dude what are you doing? As a matter of fact, super well-known version of this. Good friend of mine. He was a subject of one of the main characters in the Unati, uh, uh, what is it, Generation Iron 4, Natty for Life. Um, Adrian. A- Adrian Pietraru is his name. And he competed as an amateur and collected every title that the INBA had to offer for three straight years. Best in, you know, Best in shows. He won the Olympia twice. An event, he sat with me backstage that year that they filmed Natty for Life and was like, they want me to go pro tomorrow. What do you think? And I go, you want me to be honest with you? And he goes, yeah. I go, bro, where else do you have to go? Like, you've proven to everybody that you're the best amateur. That means you're not an amateur anymore. You're a pro. Go be a pro. I don't understand the question. Why wouldn't you? Like, what's the... This is the counter argument that people have is just... I, I like the pond I'm in. I like being the best in this pond. That's what I was hearing is like big fish, small pond. Like, uh, Far be it for me. Uh, listen, we just did a podcast about minding your own fucking business where it's like it's not my lane. And I understand that. But as a coach, if someone were to come to me and say, I know I'm not going to win, but the first thing I tell them is don't fucking say that. You're, you're going to compete. If you don't want to win, then don't compete. Just work out with me. We'll come in here and pose and I'll give you an $8 medal and you can go home. It'd be fine. No problem. If you want to compete and be an athlete as a competitor, it does require this level of understanding that I'm doing it to try to come as close to winning as possible. And if I only show up to win, 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 eventually you, excuse me, then have to ask yourself, what's the next step? And the next step should be a bigger show or a better title. Or if you have the best title, not allowing the other best of the best to come and take your title from you. If you Mm -hmm. don't have that, I don't really know after you do one show what the point is of competing. Let's or let's say one year or or so of shows where it's like I'm just competing cuz I like competing. Okay, it's not cheap. It's pretty selfish with your time, which I guess if you don't have a family that's fine too, but wouldn't you rather spend that time trying to leave a legacy of being the best also? You know? So this is one of those things that is as liberal as most of my thought processes are and is like laid back of a guy as I am when I put the blinders on to compete I'm there to chew you up and spit you out and I don't want there to be any doubt that I showed up to win you know what I mean and when I don't win I, I heard this the other day and I went oh fuck man that's me I don't like winning as much as I don't like losing I I don't mind not winning I fucking hate losing you know what I mean? Winning feels good. Losing feels worse. Does that make sense? I mean, it makes sense, but one can't exist without the other. Right. But what I'm I, saying I, is the euphoria I get from winning feels great. If I compare okay. that to what I feel when I lose, that feeling of lose feels larger than the mm, feeling sure. of euphoria I get from winning. Okay. I don't like okay. losing. 
you know? So, like, there's that aspect of it where it's like if you don't have that dog in you of, like, I don't like losing, I don't know that you have it in you to be the best competitor. Because at what point does somebody just want it more than you do? Yeah. Like, to a point where you could have worse genetics and a worse makeup and worse availability of time frames and still win because you want it that much more than the guy who doesn't want it that much. Yeah, and I think I think years ago, yeah, I like maybe I do still agree with this. It doesn't it doesn't strike me as much as it used to though. And maybe that's because of where I'm at with like competitive bodybuilding personally right now. Yeah. Which is like in order to really want something, I, I feel like you also have to buy into whatever that thing is. And I'm not fully sold on competitive bodybuilding. So maybe I don't want it as much as I used to. So I'm having trouble relating to that feeling. But yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately, that's what they say, right? Is um, even if you have talent, the hustle, the want, the drive, the desire that is going to surpass any natural talent. Yeah, I think Phil Heath said it best when they asked him about, you know, him facing Kai Green when he said, uh, you know, he thinks cuz he's going to work hard that he's going to beat me, but when hard work meets talent, you know, it's go it's over. Lights out. You'll never beat me. Yeah, yeah, if you meet a person with those two qualities, yeah, I mean, you're fucked. But here's the thing, right? And this is obviously me playing devil's sure. advocate. They, oh, yeah. Sorry. Well, they asked him years later, and I listen. If he thought Kai Green should have won? No. Well, yes, but major respect to Phil for this. They said to him, you know, Kai Green has since retired. You haven't said you're retired. You know, without Kai Green coming back, would you go back? And he goes, listen, I won those Olympias not because solely after the second one, not because I solely wanted to be Mr. Olympia. I wanted to go up there and I wanted to wax that ass. I knew that he was talking shit and I wanted to fucking beat him. And he goes, with Kai gone, I don't know that it means that much to me because as much as we were arguing and we really didn't and still kind of don't like each other, mm-hmm. regardless of how much I can say that, Kai made me a better bodybuilder and I respect him for that because I wanted to beat him. This is what this is a big part of what my Instagram is and what I get shit on for so much. It's like, Honestly, without your enemy, what would you do? It makes you better. It makes you better because you are trying harder because you have this driving force. Michael Jordan creating enemies out of people that weren't really his enemy because it gave him that much stronger desire to be better. It's that kind of shit. So, But let's talk about this then, right, as the competitor aspect of it. But with that competitor aspect of it, isn't the main narrative of bodybuilding it's you versus you? For the woke community, yes. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it is. Like, ultimately, at 3 a.m., there's nobody stopping you from slamming all the bread in your kitchen. Like, yeah, it is you versus you, and it's only you. The thing I don't like about you versus you when it is applied to competitive bodybuilding, it's like, it isn't me versus me. It's me versus every other fucking person that showed up, because if it's just me being better than it was last year, it's not like, oh, well, Layla is better than she was last year. Here's your medal. Like, you did good. That's just called progress. That's what that word means. Yeah, there's a... there's a the best version of herself. It's the best fucking figure competitor that walks this stage. There's a there's not- a great Spike Lee movie that stars Edward Norton and uh, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman called The 25th Hour where... Oh, shit. What's her name? The one who played Sookie Stackhouse on True Blood and... Uh, God damn it. I can't remember her name. Anyway... The, the actress in the movie goes up to Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, who's her teacher, who and says, uh, hey, you know, you gave Bobby an A and you gave me a B minus. Like, his shit sucked. Mine was awesome. What's the fuck? And she, he basically says to her, hey, it's not a competition. They're just, you know, this is just an assignment. And she goes, actually, it is a competition. Because when we go to this place called college, they look at these things called grades and they're only going to let people with the best grades in. So it actually is a competition. And she's right. In the sense of, it is you versus you. But if you found out that you already looked better than everybody else on that stage, the fact that you wouldn't finish out peak week cardio, that's 100%. You would literally go, I've looked, they told me who's showing up. I've Mm -hmm. seen their Instagram progress photos. None of them are ready. I can already beat them. You obviously would go, I don't need to do this much cardio. The the photos are already going to look great. I'm good. 
that Unless means that crazy person that does do it just i mean then then i would argue maybe it is you versus you and you are taking it to a new level maybe but well then you have to ask that question right because if the next step was i want to take that title and go to the olympia would it even be smart to do that or is it the fact that you're using it as this method of contrition where it's like if i don't show up to every show with every ounce of my being put onto that stage yeah. Yeah. I won't feel comfortable with myself. That's okay. how I feel. Right. That part is you yeah. versus you. But yeah. when you stand out there against them, you still want to beat them, right? You you want to win. You have to like want said, to win. 2024, I could show up with the best physique I've ever had, which is me versus me, right? Like, sure. I'm the best person of myself. It is not about Layla's best. It's about the best. But it see, doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> But now, right, you're agreeing with what I said 20 minutes ago. Well, Winning feels great, but not as bad as losing feels. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Nirvana Super. Nirvana Super is HMB-infused water formulated by Dr. Naji, who is one of the lead medical research scientists at Vanderbilt University. Originally used to help stop muscle wasting and trauma victims as well as disease-ridden patients, this recovery tool boasts benefits like faster muscle recovery, increased joint health, a rise in physical endurance capabilities during exercising, and can even slow the appearance of aging. It also comes in some seriously good flavors and multiple delivery methods. So if you want to figure out how HMB can help you today, visit feelsuper.com and use Natty at checkout to save. So here's the thing that, I, and I don't know if we are different in this way, but I've heard you talk and I feel like there are certain parts where we, we separate. Like, sure. the only reason I want to win is because I want to prove that I'm better than everyone else and I did harder work or whatever. But honestly, like, I have no interest whatsoever in any press, congratulations, confetti, trophy. The no. minute I win, I want to get the fuck out of there. Like, sure. I don't, I don't want to kiss the princess and, like, have a photo shoot. Like, get me the fuck away from these people I just wanted to come in and be like, eh. bye. I will say this. I can agree with you in the sense of that all of the photo shoots I've done after the fact, all of the, you know, when I was inducted into the Natural Bodybuilding Hall of Fame, when, you know, they do the specialty awards or whatever. The reason that stuff mattered to me was more along the lines of additional uh, reasons that solidified why I did what I did. So like going yeah, to, yes, you know, going there and being like, hey, I spent this time away from my business and my wife and I put hardship on other people, but yeah. I am indisputed as the number yeah. one of what I do, right? But that, yes, that's what the title does. I will also say this though. The first year I competed in the pro bodybuilding class at the Olympia, I just wanted to break the top 10. I knew I wasn't going to win. So getting eighth was good enough where I was like, cool, I'm totally happy with that because I knew the guys were so much bigger and so much more, you know, in terms of their careers and how much they'd progressed into it um, that I guess I'm sort of jaded at this point of I believe in certain shows that I lost and I felt comfortable losing because I knew I I couldn't have been defined as the best. But there are shows that I lost that I go – Nah, man. I, I, the reason this feels bad is because I don't agree with this. I mm. believe I bested that person. I don't believe this was bodybuilding. I think this was bad judging. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that the last two out of the last three shows that I've lost in the last five years, that's the way I saw it. Where one of them yeah. I went, okay, if that's what you liked better, I'll bring that next time. And two of the three times I go, nah. That was bad judging. I don't agree with that, man. Sorry. God, that's got to be so shitty, too, to, like, kind of know that you actually were the best and not win. Like. One of them, I won't name the show, one of them, the what the feedback that was given to me by the judges was literally something that is not bodybuilding related as to why I lost. It was an overarching definition of, this yeah. person just the looked t- more t- all American. I remember that story. Yeah. That didn't sit right with me where I was and, like, and- until you can tell me uh, su- not yeah. subjectively, objectively, this yeah. is what we're looking for. And I can see 
progressive champions of that 100%, I can guarantee that's what you were looking for. Until I can do that, I, I, I can't, I can't say that I can support the judging on that. The other one, the judges panel, it was like a one or two point decision and they chose a different look. But what made me mad was I brought the look they wanted me to the next year and then they went the other way and said, well, we wanted more fullness. And I was like, that pisses me off because I came with exactly what you asked for. This is exactly why you guys don't want to compete because you have the subjectivity. just like you do the hardest fucking sport in the world only to be subjectively judged for the criteria to change. There is a lot of fucked up shit going on in this fucking industry. Like, and let me be very clear that this isn't this isn't exclusive to bodybuilding. How many times, I know Layla's going to say none because she doesn't watch football, but if you take a look at football in the NFL, you can take a look and be like, they should have won that game because the refs didn't call X or they called this and it was bullshit. It happens all the time. Yeah, But again, that's still a sport that you can be a competitor in is the NFL, the NBA, the whatever. If there's rules, right, even when it comes to strongman and powerlifting, was it a soft lockout? Look at the Thor-Eddie Hall arguments of did did Thor double dip the year that they gave the world's strongest man when Eddie Hall won it? You know, there's all these subjective criteria that the vast majority of people can agree with or disagree with. But if you want to compete, if you want to be an athlete that competes at some point in your competitive career, the subjectivity of the judges panel, whether the judges be referees, eight guys from Staten Island sitting there looking at your physique or a bunch of judges from CrossFit who are counting your lockouts or strongman or whatever. There will come a subjectivity of the criteria that will piss you off because they yep. decide to be harder on you or the other guy than vice versa, right? Um, so in terms of competitive aspect of it, right, what's the number one thing you want to tell people as a warning sign, red flag, you need to come to terms with this before you decide you want to compete? God, there's 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 so many ways to phrase it. Give me I mean, three. Give me top three. One, right, top three. Okay. So like, the biggest one is diet. Like, that is it. That'll make or break you as a competitor. Right. That's what they say. It's like you could be a great bodybuilder, but you might not be able to be a competitive bodybuilder because you can't do the diet. Mm. You know, we all like to go to the gym and work out. We all like that part. If we all liked the diet part, we'd all look like competitors. Dude, all bodybuilders look like competitors. Like great point. I I think it was a, another bodybuilder that told me that. Like, yeah, she looks great, but can she do the diet? Like, unless you can do that part, you have no chance. And like, it is so incredibly hard to deny yourself food and starve yourself slowly when you are in a country where you are surrounded by food. It is insane. It's an insane thing to do. Um, I guess the other thing I would warn people about is like, I don't think they realize how many parts of their lives of themselves will actually need to be involved to pull this off. It's a second job. It's a second job. It is a second job and it is, it demands everything from you. Like the, the fact that I've called myself like a bodybuilder, competitive bodybuilder as a hobby is nuts because it actually takes all of your time and energy. Like, I Without never question. really meant to be a competitor, but I became one and I'm good at it. And it takes literally all the shit I have in in the reserve. And I, I don't even really consider it like my full-time career. It's just like a thing I do on the side. Anyway, but yeah, there are so many parts of you that you will not realize you need to, to have involved to pull yeah off being a successful competitor. Your old life, your what? Your new life is going to cost you your old life. It really, truly is. Your relationships, your time management, the way that you eat, the way that you like sit down at the end of the night, you're not going to be able to do, like all of these things will change. They'll all change. What's really funny is my, fa- I, I get this maybe 65% of the time with clients where they start competing and they go, hey, so, um, you know, I'm on the road, like, is there anything I should do to my meals? Because, like, you know, we have this uh, chicken and broccoli meal. Like, what do I do if I can't heat that up? And I'm like, eat it anyway. What do you mean? Well, like, what? Sh- shouldn't I warm it up? I'm like, why? It's edible. Eat yeah. it. Yeah. Just eat it. I'm so 
removed from thinking about it. Like, yeah, that, that doesn't even occur to me anymore. Like, there there are just, like, luxuries and pleasures that you don't realize you indulge in every day that are gone. When I had to travel overseas to compete, I would take the meal, put it in a plastic bag. I would pack all my meals in plastic bags. And I would eat my meal. And when I started one meal, I would take the other plastic bag and I would put it on the plane seat in between, like, the nape of my knee. And I would just heat it up that way and I would just let it sit there and I'd flip it over and over again for like the next two hours. And then by the time I was ready to eat again, I'd pull it out of the nape of my knee and be like, it's warmed up enough for me, man. Because it was frozen. Like I freeze them so that they wouldn't go bad. But then if I don't have a way to heat it up, I literally can't chew through a block of ice. Luckily nowadays too, if you're nice enough and you're on a, a good enough flight, you can ask the flight attendants. And here's a little hack for you, by the way. If your sport has uniforms, and you're wearing the uniform that says you're an athlete on it, if they see you struggling with food or water or whatever, they'll usually come over and be like, dude, do you want some help with that? So it's a little hack. If you're wearing your Team USA uniform and you're a bodybuilder, a lot of times the flight attendants and shit will help you out because being a member of Team USA is a big deal for a lot of people. So they'll be like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll heat it up. Give it to me. It's okay. If they see you struggling. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like, with what? All right. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that that little clip there, like, I had to sit on my food in a plastic bag on an airplane. Like, do you want to do that? And and I... That's I, fun. Understand, too, that, yes, is there a way you could probably figure out over the course of time where, like, you arrive and meals are ready for... Yeah, but traveling as much as I have and competing as much as I have, I know the only way I can guarantee that it will be ready and there for me when I arrive is this way. I've done it every other way. This is the only way that I can guarantee what's in it, how it was cooked, that it's healthy. It's not going to make me sick at the last minute. Um, And I would argue to most people who never competed, I also want you to understand that for me, I warn people that the details of all of these small little arguments we're making are what make the best competitors and just make regular competitors, right? Yeah. The understanding yeah. of how important the extra hour of sleep is or the you know ability to be able to not walk as much when you're going to and from your hotel room to the stage. Like those are things that matter that you would never know without good coaching or without having done it. So when Layla says things like every avenue and aspect of your life is going to change, we're talking about to that infinitesimally small degree of like the way you sleep and how long you do it for and the temperature at which you're sleeping. That's the entire little tiny bit of the 1% that makes you the best competitor you can be. Yeah, the difference between like a tablespoon and two tablespoons, a teaspoon and a tablespoon. Like Over the course we- of 16 weeks, that's a lot of extra tablespoons. Yeah, I, I think that's a big part that people don't realize, like, again, with the diet part of this is it's not it's not just like clean, healthy eating. It is restrictive eating. It's like that inverse relationship. Your calories go down and your work goes up. Yep. Can you imagine doing 70 minutes of cardio when you're not fed? Like, yeah. Which, again, look, like, I, if you're listening to this and you're not a bodybuilder, it's the same thing, right? The idea – and I, I – I hate the idea when it comes to the NFL of all these young kids because that's what they are. They're 21 to 24-year-old kids going back home and people being like, you get paid to play a game. You need to stop complaining and this and that. Literally every Sunday or Monday or Thursday, they're getting the shit kicked out of them. They get one day to travel back and that next day they have to go back to training where their teammates are hitting them at what, 50% of the amount of force that they're supposed to be hitting them on, on an actual field? And then they have to do that again and again and again for 10 hours a day, four out of seven days, and the fifth out of those seven days, they're doing it for real, still getting the shit kicked out of them. Don't And not only that, the average NFL career is four and a half years. So yes, are they getting paid millions of dollars? For sure. And they're also getting CTE, broken legs, torn tendons, and they're only 21 years old. I'm amazed that people haven't come out of the NFL tunnel, looked around, saw that there was 120,000 people around, and went, oh no, fuck this, and ran right back into the fucking room. Like, 
that blows my mind even that college players have not come out and seen in, let's say, a Big Ten conference center, come out and seen 200,000 fans sitting around and been like, oh, fuck this, I'm out of here, and just turn around and be like, football's not for me. I can't remember that that has ever happened, and that blows my mind. Why, but, why do you think that would happen? Like, just the... I'll give you a, a very easy-to-understand numerical example. The largest NFL stadium just so happens to be MetLife Stadium here in New Jersey for the New York Giants. It is, if you put in college football stadiums, the 14th largest football stadium in the United States. That means that there are 14 colleges that have a larger stadium attendance record than the largest multi-billion dollar NFL franchise. You're talking about an 18-year-old kid out of high school runs out into the Alabama football stadium. Okay, something like the sheer magnitude. Would Imagine like... you're at a Taylor Swift concert and you're not Taylor Swift and you walk out on stage. You would instantly be like, oh, whatever you guys want me to do, I can't do. And just turn around and walk backstage. Okay. I would instantly puke. I would be like, oh, oh, oh. like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm a, yeah, I don't know. I perform on stages, but not that size. So, I, yeah, I don't fucking know. I don't know. It's bananas to me. But understand that this is what we're talking about, guys. You have to understand that as a competitor in whatever your chosen sport is, if you show up that Friday, Saturday, or Sunday and you are not ready to compete, no one gives a fuck. This is what we are here to do. I am a judge. He's a judge. She's a judge. We are the judges. All of those people are other competitors. You're not ready to compete? Oh, well, see you next time. Oh, but mm -hmm. I just have to run back to my room and get my suit. Right, so what are we going to do? Hold up the other 180 people while you go do that? Nope, sorry. Mm -hmm. It's not them being cold-hearted. It's not the industry not caring about you as an athlete. It's your job to be ready to show up, ready to compete. So understand that that is a, a very large aspect of this argument is... If you want to be a competitor, but you're nervous on stage, it's okay to not be an extrovert on stage. It's not okay to have this fear every time you think about getting in front of people. Then this isn't for you. Honestly, honestly, that's that's an immediate red flag. If people are like, how do you do it in front? Like anybody that ever asks me about wanting to compete, like, how do you do that? On stage? Like, not for you. You yeah. have to be an exhibitionist. Sorry. <laughs> like, Don't get me wrong. I receive VA disability for having general anxiety disorder. I have VA disability because of my anxiety disorder and depression, right? None of that matters to the eight people sitting on that table. And I will extrapolate this further because I say this to all of my athletes. I'm very sorry that X happened to you. Your husband left. Your mother died. Your dog passed away. Your house burned down. I am so sorry. If you don't feel like this is the right time for you to compete because of that, no one will judge you. Maybe it's time to take a back seat and focus on what's important. However, and I'm quoted as saying this to several people, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Nutribio. Nutribio, with no compromise since 1996, they never hide behind proprietary blends and always tout transparent labels. With industry-leading formulations, all with clinical dosages of ingredients and products spanning from bodybuilders to athletes to just general health clients, Nutribio has exactly what you need to take your goals to the next level. Hit up Nutribio.com and use code word NATTY at checkout to save. The judges don't give a fuck what you went through to get there. You are either the winner or you are the loser. Sit back now. Say that real super serious. That's what it is. If it's a competition, I don't care what hardship you had to overcome to get there. You're either good enough to win or you lose. That's what it is. And again, awarding winners at different levels, first, second, third, fourth, whatever. You show up, you're the winner. I say that to everybody that shows up to bodybuilding. What I'm saying, though, is that you can't say to a judge, I know I'm 3% more body fat than I'm supposed to be and that he looks better, but my mom died. Mm -hmm. I'm very sorry to hear that. And also, I, I don't give yeah. a fuck. So, so this is kind of where I'm arriving with bodybuilding now is like in, I understand this is not what competitive bodybuilding is, but for me, I applaud that person more on a, like a human to human level 
because of the hardship that they went through and still pulled off. Well, not if they're 3% body fat more than they, let's say they showed up perfectly. What they went through, the hardship they went through, how much they suffered more to pull off what they pulled off to lose to a guy that had better quads. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, like there was a competitor at the Olympia who was, his glutes were striated. Like he was conditioned. Yep. Like he walked on stage and was like, what the fuck? And he didn't win. He got second. But it's like that guy obviously suffered more, but it's not. And maybe this is my mistake is like bodybuilding really isn't the awards ceremony for somebody that can suffer more or that tries harder or that works the hardest. It's actually not right. That's what I thought it was for the longest time. And that's the part of me that I like is like, and this is what I'm starting to realize is I like everything about competing. It is fucking incredibly difficult. It pushes your limits. But at the end of the day, that's actually not what the judging criteria is. 100%. Because I, you know, there was the argument that I was a little more conditioned than the woman that won my division, but the aesthetics mm. are what wins divisions, you know? And it's like, I'm not fully invested in my aesthetics winning me shit. Because if I were, I don't have to do any of this. I could just walk around life like this. I'd be fine. Like, and I, I, like- I think that's when competitors decide, like when later on, I th- I've said this on the last couple podcasts where the, the perfect example of that is this guy who was a linebacker for the Miami Dolphins who was sitting there in a playoff game headed to the Super Bowl and was like, I don't give a fuck about any of this. Like, right. <laughs> that's yeah. you, you yeah. lose the fire and you're like, I still love football. I just don't yeah. love it enough to play. I just, I don't care about any of this. Yeah. So, and I'm not sure right now. So. Yeah. And by the way, Layla is staunchly in this landing pad zone that I tell all competitors. And if you're a competitor who just competed or is going to compete, listen to this. The week of the show, you're going to say, never again. The day before the show, you'll get calories in and you go, this is great. I don't care if I win. Then the day of the show, you go, I want to win. Then no matter what happens at the show, the night of the show, you go, I remember all of the stuff that led me to here. I remember everything that happened today. I can't wait to do it again. And the next day you go, I need to find another show. And then the day after the show, you go, I don't know, man, maybe I'm going to take some time off. It goes like this. There's nothing wrong with taking a step back and going, I think I want to do this again, but it has to be for the right reasons because I know what it takes to do this. And I want to be doing it to the extent that I know I'm capable of doing it. So I have to be careful about choosing when I do that. Don't make the decision right before, during, or after Mm -hmm. the competition. Wait a little bit, unless it's you picking the shows for the season. I'm competing in June, September, and November. You can pick those shows. If you didn't have shows picked out, especially coming next year or whatever, or you didn't anticipate competing again, wait until a couple of weeks go by and then go, Yeah. okay, I think I'm ready to make this decision. Unless everything in your body is going, no, man, full send, let's fucking go. Which does happen. But the other part happens a lot more often where it's a flip-flop. How could it not? You're flip-flopping your hormones and your body and like... And your time and your effort and... It's one of those things. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's a traumatic experience, but it kind of is, especially if you're new, like going through your first shred down prep and cutting all that body fat off can be a little traumatic. So honestly, I like with a lot of things, I've learned not to trust myself when I've gone through really intense processes, you know, just just wait a couple days and you'll figure it like, just let your body get back to normal. And eventually you'll be able to think clearly and figure it out, you know, as the one of us who's been in competition sooner, I'll end the podcast by asking you this. The two days following your competition, did you feel like there were like 30 hours in a day? That's a curious, not what I expected you to ask me. Why? Because (laughs) all of the time that you invest in the gym, in cardio, in cooking, right after the final show of the season goes away and you go, huh, I have a lot more time to do other stuff. I mean, yes, I guess I didn't really think about it that way. But yeah, when you are not so strictly tied to a schedule, you have to accomplish so much in one day and everything's all mapped out. It's just, yeah, 
I mean, you went you went and rented a, a a supercar when you were in Vegas, and you went and saw a Cirque du Soleil show, right? Yeah. Put those on the same day, and still look around and go, man, that took up like five percent of the day. Like, there's just yeah. so much extra time. Yeah. It's it's incredible. I guess yeah, that's a that's a big one for competitors. Like, you have to have a lot of time. You do. And again, if you don't, no one cares. Hmm. Either show up and do it or don't. That's Kai, the yeah, problem. Yeah, I agree. Made it work. I'm not saying that you got to make it work because Kai Green make made it work. But like, if you're not willing to make it work, somebody else will. I I, I and I've heard you mention him as a, a, a an example. But I don't know how true it is. I really don't. Oh, about the project's subway I, thing? I had heard that, like, some of that, like, not that he didn't do that, but that, like, he did have the money and also, like, had a private house somewhere else that he also indulged in for a while. That, that... I feel like you must have, right? Like, there is... Otherwise, it just seems impossible to me. I had well, heard... I had okay, heard that, that. That part of it was for the... Not just the camera, but that when he's on season, he does that on purpose. He'll stay in that apartment and kind of under, yeah, well, put himself oh, yeah. under that on purpose. Man, I'm gonna have to look into that because I, you know, I I did want to believe that story. I want to say that I heard it. I heard it from a couple of bodybuilding insiders. I don't even know how much on the internet you'll be able to find about it, but I did hear that, and I'm like, I'm not gonna tout that that's true because I have no confirmation that that's what happened. But I did Dude, hear internet, that. The internet says Arnold is near six foot. He's not. Oh, I, no. <laughs> I swear to God, he bought the internet and all of the articles that pop up first say he's six foot. Yeah, he's not. Don't don't fucking trust the internet. Don't trust the internet when the internet tells you that competing is easy and it's for you. It's but not. you know who you can trust? Layla and I on every episode of the United States of America, which you can get wherever you can get podcasts. Full episode on YouTube. Be sure to tune in. And like I said, around the new year, be sure to tune into a possible name change and branding change. But in the meantime, it would help Layla and I out if you told all your friends about the United States of America. And please be sure to rate, review, subscribe. And on behalf of Layla and myself, all the way across the United States of America, we'll see you next time. Bye.